All right, good afternoon. Good morning to those tuning in to the show once again. I'm your host, Tavares Wilson. As you all know, I always get the last word, guys, as you all know. Now, I want to apologize in advance for, you know, having a slight delay on the show. I have been moving lately, so we got a new house and everything of that nature. It's pretty chill. It's pretty good. Like, I love it so far. Definitely is an upgrade from where we once stayed, me and my family. But let's get right into it. So, and I do also want to apologize if y'all guys hear an echo in the background of me. It's kind of an empty room right now. But I get that fixed sooner than I can. So, let me get right into the show. And I haven't been speaking on the NBA lately, so I'm going to get an NBA news so far. So, not really news, but more updates. And I just want to give you all my thoughts so far on the season. It's only been about five games in, but I want to give you all my thoughts on the season. And so far, I got to say this. First and foremost, we got to talk about the two juggernauts that we all consider the juggernauts and the top of the cream of the crop right now with the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. Both teams ain't exactly looking like world beaters. Let's just call it how it is. Biggest reason why the Nets don't look like world beaters is because, simply is because they're not looking like the scoring threats that we all see. Yes, Kyrie Irving is out, but even without Kyrie Irving, you would expect James Harden and Kevin Durant to both be putting up monumental numbers, especially being the fact that those two are going to be the two highlighted on every given night. But James Harden has not been as such thus far. And I think a lot of that has to do with the rule changes. James Harden, let's be frank about it. James Harden is a guy that depends a lot on the whistle and the foul line. He led the league in free throw attempts. I believe the the past, what what was it, four or five years? That That's a lot of free throws, guys. Let's just be real about it. And it's not just taking anything away from him as a player, as a talent. He's still one of the best scorers in the league. He's still one of the best offensive players in the league, period. He, he is that. I'm not taking that away from him. But his game has diminished and his impact has diminished a bit due to the rule changes. A lot of the up and under layups and on bar locks he used to get on guys to get fouls and get to the line, they're not calling that anymore. You see that last night when he gets Bam out of Bayo, he tried to get that call. He ain't get it. You're not going to get it now. Which I think is a great thing for the league because a lot of calls were BS calls, if I'm being real. They, they just work. So I'm not going to sit here and poo-poo on the league for making a necessary change. I think the league needed it. For the most part, I really do. And another guy that seems to be struggling, and this is outside of the team, but Damian Lillard is playing horrific right now. I mean, he's playing terrible. And I, I know a lot of guys don't want to chalk it up to the rule changes, thing like that. But I, I think it has, some, I think that has a little validity to it. And it's because even though Dame game didn't depend on getting to the line a lot, Dame knew he can draw fouls because he would be able to drive and draw fouls because people are going to play a shot. But now I think it's more of a mental thing for him. Now he said, okay, I'm not going to get as many as calls, so I'm going to just take more shots, which I don't think is I don't think is benefiting him right now. I mean, he's shooting 8% from the three-pointer. I want y'all to realize that. 8% from the three-pointer. I think he was, last time I checked, two for 23 or two for 24 or something along those lines. That's terrible. 
And excuse me if y'all hear any background noise. They're still doing some construction, and I still had a crazy dog that I always had. But it's not good. It's just not. He has to be better. James Harden, same way. He has to be better. Kevin Durant is look like well, virtually pretty much Kevin Durant. So the Nets, I think, will still be fine. But I don't think the East is going to be theirs like a lot of people proclaimed it so early so far. Because I'm telling y'all now, man. It's three teams in the East right now that are legit and they could win the East. The Heat, the Bulls, and the Bucks. We all know the Bucks to have a chance because, of course, they're the world champions. They can repeat or go back to the promised land. The Heat look scary offensively, man. Listen, listen to me, guys. They look scary. Okay, I'm talking about they can match up all across the floor. And Victor Oladipo isn't even in the lineup yet, guys. We're talking about. They can have a lineup of five guys who could all be all NBA defenders. Easily. With Depot, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, Bam Adebayo, all five of those guys could be on an all defensive NBA team on any given season. They all can be. My thing was, where is their scoring going to come from? I didn't see a consistent enough score for them. And I still don't see it, if I'm being honest with you. I think Bam Adebayo has took leaps from where he was last year to this year as far as his offensive skill set and his game go on that end. But I st- it, it's been five games. I still got to see it. But as far as their talent goes and the way they can match up against guys goes, I think they can give any team an easy run for their money right now, man. Any team. And the Bulls, as far as the Bulls go, I think they have a lot of firepower on the offensive side. And to be frank, I think they're a better defensive team that they're give- than they're giving credit for. Because I think... Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball, I think are both highly underrated defenders. I don't think Zach Levine is some kind of, I don't think he's some kind of, you know, all-around, versatile, really good, rip-to-great defensive player. But I think he holds his own to that end. No one is attacking Zach Levine on that end of the floor. And Lonzo, to me, he has an argument to be very well, much be a all-NBA defender. I like the addition they have with DeMar DeRozan. I love the fact that he doesn't have to be the number one option on the team. Because as we've seen in the past, he has shrunk, you know, in the past when it comes to the big games and big moments. You don't have to be that guy anymore. We got Zach Levine for that. He can be the guy we get the ball to in the big moments. You can, you know, you could be there to the cause of distraction. Because you still, at the end of the day, you're still a pretty effective offensive player. You just haven't been in the bigger moments. But you don't you don't need DeMar DeRozan to be that guy when you got Zach Levine on your team. He he you can kick him to be a second scorer option. And Lonzo Ball, I think he's a guy who can make a big shot. I mean, his his mentality, his attitude has been superb throughout his career. He's done nothing but get better each and every season. So I have no problem with the the addition of DeMar DeRozan brings to that team. And I think Nikola Vilkovic is a guy who's been struggling lately, and they still are undefeated. So if he can find his footing with this new team, this is a scary Bulls team. And let's remember, Kobe Wright is hurt right now. We're talking about a guy who can be a six-man-of-the-year caliber player. He's hurt right now. So they have a lot of talent, man. They have a lot of talent on the Bulls team. And the Bucks again, as we all know, Giannis, MVP. I think Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are some of the best underrated players in our league we have today. 
And I love the fact that they went on and got Grayson Allen. I think that's a highly, highly, highly underrated trade for them. I think he's a guy that does bring that three ball and some defensive defensive scheme, you know, adjustments he could bring and help you out with. I think he's a better solution than Dante DiVincenzo. If I'm being honest with you, I think he's better than him. He may not start over him because they want scoring coming off the bench, but I think he's a better all-around player than Dante DiVincenzo. Now, with that being said, I'm going to get off into the other team that we consider the juggernauts and the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Lakers' biggest problem right now, all honesty, is just continuity. They, they, they haven't played together. This is in a completely new roster. Russell Westbrook, LeBron, both pretty much play with the ball. LeBron has shown he can play without the ball, so has Russell Westbrook. They just need to figure out who they want to have the ball in the hand majority of the game. It could be either one of those guys. Honestly, they both are elite playmakers. But I do believe down the stretch, it has to be in the hands of LeBron because down the stretch, he just is the better decision maker. He just is. That's just what it is. He is. And I think he's the better option if you need a bucket when it comes late in games. Now, with that being said, they got to figure it all out, though. They got to figure out that the defensive schemes that they're playing is not working. It's terrible, if I'm being honest. And they got to figure out who are they going to run their offense through. Like, who's going to be the facilitator? Who's going to be our main scorer? Or who are we going to get a ball to? Like, they have to figure that out. And I think at the end of the day, it has to be AD. Because I think AD is the guy that, regardless of who they play on any given night, I think he's the one mismatch on a consistent basis. I think he is. I don't. That's not me saying I think he's a better player than either one of those guys. I just think he's a, a harder matchup for any other team in the league. I just think it has to be AD by default. And I think LeBron should be the one facilitating the team down the stretch. Russell, either him or Russ can do it during the game. Like, through the first to third quarter, I think either one of them can do that. But when it comes late fourth, I think it has to be LeBron. I think it has to be. But, it's again, it's only five games in. It's extremely early. No one really ever really pays attention to the NBA until after All-Star break anyway. But I'm just saying, man, I mean, this is my early thoughts and predictions for these teams. And some guys who have caught my eye early have been John Morant, Tyler Hero, Harrison Barnes. I mean, these guys are balling, especially Harrison Barnes, man. He is playing lights out right now. He had a game winner, I believe it was last night. Man. Against the, it was against the Suns. He's playing like on another level right now. I think he's averaging almost 27 points a game. He's shooting better than 50% from the field and from three. He's playing absolutely incredible right now. He's like, he's literally a the human torch right now, man. And Tyler Hero has been a much needed scorer off the bench for the Heat. I don't know if he can keep it up though. I've never been big on Tyler Hero. I know he had a good stretch of games. But his problem for me was always, can he do it consistently? And I don't know. I mean, we'll see this year. Maybe he'll make a run for sixth man of the year. Maybe he'll win it. At this rate, he will win it. But we'll see if he can keep up that same level of play. I'm not convinced that he can. But with that being said, I think that those guys have been playing lights out. I think those teams are dangerous. I think they can be really good. And bearing in the injury, I don't see why they cannot beat the Nets. I, I really don't. I mean, I, 
I'm going to give you an example of a team I think that is fool's gold right now. I think the Warriors are fool's gold. I don't care if they're undefeated. Yes, it's impressive, but Steph has not looked good throughout the season thus far outside of the Clippers game. He's not shooting particularly well. If you go look at the other games he's played in, yes, he got good stat lines, but he's not shooting the ball well. And, of course, that would change for him. I mean, it's Steph Curry at the end of the day. But I don't think that team has enough experience and winning experience at that to actually go out and beat some of these teams out West in a seven-game series. I don't, I don't think they could do that. Even if Clay Thompson, when Clay Thompson does come back healthy, I don't, I don't think they can do that. I don't think that's them. But they're definitely, I, I definitely do think this still is a playoff team. I think they'll make the playoffs. But the way that some of these younger teams in the West are looking, man, like the, the Timberwolves, for example, or even the Grizzlies, I mean, they're, they're going to have a tough road, man. Regardless of where they finish that in the seeding, they're going to have a tough road because these aren't pushovers. The Timberwolves look legit. I know D'Angelo Russell isn't shooting particularly well this season, but his presence as a scoring option is definitely being felt on the floor. Anthony Edwards has so, seemed to have grown just like that much immensely from a year. It, he looks fantastic. And Cat is Cat. I always thought Cat, Carl Anthony Towns is a good player. He's just showing it that he still is. You know, but, and all three of them are extremely young, man. I'm talking about all of these guys are no older than, what, 25, 24? They're going to be a tough out, man, especially with more experience. They're going to be a tough out. But that's my early NBA pre- thoughts, not predictions. I think there's a lot of good teams thus far. I think a lot of teams have a lot of talent. We just got to see how it pans out. No, I think the Hawks still look good. I think the Knicks are looking better. The Knicks, excuse me, are looking better with Kimball. I think D. Rose is looking like another six-minute-a-year kind of a player. And that's pretty much all I got, guys, as far as the NBA goes. You know, I think some rookies are looking better and looking good. The, the rookie for the Pacers, last I checked, I think his name is Chris Durante. I don't want to – I believe that's his name. He's looking really good. And the rookie they have for the the, the Raptors, I don't um good his name is it forsakes me right now, but he's looks good too. I believe he's a power four. And Evan Mobley for the Cavs, whoo! <laughs> I think they found something with him, man. That guy looks legitimate. He looks good. I'm talking about on both ends of the floor. He to me right now as it stands, he reminds me of a younger version. He reminds me of young DeAndre Jordan. He does. I think he plays. I don't think he's as big, as physically imposing as DeAndre Jordan is, but he's a a consistent oop option. He's a good rim protector, and he plays with good hustle. I think that's DeAndre Jordan. Like, that's literally DeAndre Jordan with the Clippers. And if he could be that, that's an all-star center. I mean, DeAndre Jordan was an all-star center. I mean, you'll take that. You'll take that. So, I think he's looked good. But as far as, like, if I had to take a guess who's leading the rookie race right now, I think the guy Chris Duertes is for the Pacers. He leads the league in score right now, uh, uh, rookies. So that's always the biggest indicator of who's going to win rookie of the year. So I think it has to be him right now. And that's all I got for you guys for NBA news. Now let's get up into the NFL news. And... 
I'm gonna say this now, guys. I'm gonna rant about the Dolphins. I am. But before I rant about the Dolphins, I want to get off into my thoughts on other teams. So, for first and foremost, I want to get off of my thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are figured out. I think the league has finally caught up to them. Their gimmicks, the trick plays, the dynamic offense that they have, I think the rest of the league is caught up. Yes, of course, they can still explode and put up points because they do have Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kess at the end of the day. Those guys are world beaters. They can't beat you. But I think the rest of the league is caught up. I think it's time that Andy Reid looks himself in the mirror and says, okay, what I'm doing, what we haven't been doing, ain't going to work anymore. It's not. We have to go get ourselves an every down running back. We need someone who can help us control the time of possession and can just be a change of pace kind of guy. We need we need a chain move. We need a running back. You need to go get one. And I think and I think they need to address that whether regardless of whatever way they can. Whether it's a trade, whether it's next free agency, whether it's the draft, they they need that guy. Because Clyde's Edward Lair just isn't it. I like Clyde Edward Lair. I think he's a good running back, but I don't think he's a guy that you can get a ball off to 20 to 25 times a game. It's not him. It, was, it wasn't him at LSU. It's not going to be him now. It's just not him. He's more of a James White Miles Gaskins kind of guy. He can carry the ball for you a handful of times, but his main threat and what he's really good at is being the receiving type back option. He's good at that. He can be that. I know that's not what they're utilizing him for exactly at the moment, but I think I think his skill set can be that. I think he can be that. But to me, they need a they need a bruiser back, man. They could get a bruiser, someone who can run in between the tackles behind. Cause they have a good offensive line. The offensive line is to me is legitimate. They can get a good running back behind the offensive line, man. They'll definitely, you know, they'll definitely be a whole different dynamic to their team. And that would just raise the threat of guys like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill that much more. And even Patrick Mahomes, because he's a pretty athletic quarterback. RPOs, read read pass options, you know, read options, things like that. Like, you can create more with a running back behind this team. I think it'll honestly bring them right back to what they once was as a scary offensive team. They just got to be willing to change. And I think Andy Reid isn't prideful enough to sit there and stick to something that's not working. I think he will address that. And I think getting a every down running back will be the first thing he addresses. Because outside of that, they don't really have much on the offensive side there. You can sit there and say needs to improve. Maybe they could get another option at receiver. But they trying that right now with Josh Gordon. So they're definitely making changes if need be. Now, with that being said, another team that I want to get off into that has caught my attention of late is the Los Angeles Rams. I think the Rams, despite the fact that they lost to the Cardinals, despite the fact that the Packers are 6-1, and one, I think the Rams are legitimate threats to win it all. I, I really do. I think they are threats to win it all, man. I think Matt Stafford has been a savior for them in the sense of he's ex- Exactly what they wanted to trade for. A way better quarterback than Jared Goff. He is exactly that. A way better quarterback than Jared Goff. 
He's a guy who's showing why he should be considered a top 10 quarterback in the league. And I think he is that. He's a guy who is showing why he was fairly untreated in Detroit. I think all of that is being shown. I think it's being showcased as well that if you give him the proper weapons around him, not only will he play good or well, he could play great. And that is something that a lot of a lot of quarterbacks, even with pieces around them, does not show. Like perfect example of this to me is Tannehill. Baker Mayfield as well. Yeah, they have all the pieces around them, but yet they still will only play as good as the game-to-game situations will allow them to play. And that's not good enough. Matt Stafford, on the other hand, he dictates how well the offense will be because he's that good of a player. And some other thoughts that I have and some other news, you know, J.J. Watt is hurt again. To me, man, it's just so unfortunate for that, man. It's so unfortunate for the guy, man. I mean, he's a hell of a talent. Always been a really good, a great player throughout his career. At, at one point, he was the best player in the league. He, The injuries have really diminished his legacy, though, and it ruins his chances of being in the conversation as arguably the greatest defensive player of all time. Because if he honestly stayed healthy, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's a multiple First-team All-Pro, Defensive Player of the Year, a guy who was viewed as by far the best defensive player in the league, even if you didn't believe he was the best player in the league, which I think it was a three to a two to three-year stretch he was the best player in the league. Despite all of that, he's not going to have that argument anymore. It's because of the injuries. It's because of the injuries. And it's it's so unfortunate, man, because he's so talented. And, he's, and when he does plays, even if he doesn't produce the sack numbers, his presence, whenever you watch him on film, his presence, you can see it's always felt. It's always felt. And it's, it's just so unfortunate, man. And I hope for a speedy recovery for him. I know he's going to miss the rest of the season. I just hope he can come back with this Cardinals team and be as dominant as he was this season. But again, man, it's, it's, it's extremely unfortunate, man. It's extremely unfortunate. And to me, I just think that he's a guy who is going to be another what if. You know, even though he has had great years and great moments, it's going to be another what if because it's like, yeah, you did that, but what could have been? To me, it's like Shaq almost. If Shaq would have stayed healthy and stayed in shape more or better, I should say, than he did, who knows what Shaq could have been all the time. Yeah, he's top 10 now, but you had the potential to be the greatest. That is a huge difference. And it's not to say that these aren't great players, but it is to say it could be more. It could have been more. And to me, that's, man, it's so unfortunate for a guy like J.J. Watt, man, because he, he puts in the work. He does. His body just fails him at times. Now, with that being said, the other teams that I've had some thoughts on, Honestly, man, I don't I don't really see anything else around the league that surprises me too much. I mean, the Titans are a bit better than I thought they would be because I just thought their defense is going to be that downfall, honestly. Just a lot like the Chiefs right now. I thought their defense would make them a Chiefs kind of situation. But the defense has been okay-ish at times this season. So it ain't really been hurting them that bad. And Derrick Henry is exactly who I thought he was. 
a monster. So when you got a guy like that, it helps. But with that being said, let's get off into my favorite part of the show. Talking about my team, as you all know, if you've been a constant listener and, you know, if you've been tuning in to the episodes, you know, I'm a Dolphin fan, proud Dolphin fan. But as of late, as we've seen after losing our sixth straight game, it's been tough. And the Deshaun Watson rumors circulating, it's, it's splitting a lot of fans from the others. It's showing, you know, it's really imposters among us because they's not real Dolphin fans, they're Tua fans. This guy isn't really rooting for the team. He's a guy who's rooting for Tua, and by default, he roots for the Dolphins because Tua's plays here right now. Or you got the Tua haters who simply want to see Tua fail and can never admit when he plays well or okay or even good, whatever the case may be. And I'm the guy that's pretty much in the middle. I'm the guy who's going to be objective. I'm the guy that's going to try to be unbiased as possible. And I'm the guy who's going to tell you my God honest opinion. I just am. I mean, I'm not going I'm not going to throw anything out in the world that I don't believe. I, I'm not. That's, that's not me. I don't do things for clickbait. Maybe it's one of the reasons why my platform has not grown exponentially as other guys in the time span I have been doing this. But I'll never put something out there that I don't genuinely believe. I'm not going to do it just for clickbait or for likes or comments or whatever the case may be. That's not me. But I will say this. First and foremost, Tua isn't it, guys. He's not. And as as much as I want him to be, because I love Tua, I, I got a jersey, you know, I've, I've invested so much time and energy into defending him last season. I I blamed the hell out of Chain Gailey. And by the way, I said this in my last episode, but I got to say it again. I want to sincerely apologize to Chain Gailey. I thought what he was doing was bad. Nah. It wasn't nowhere near bad. This, what we see this year, is bad. It's terrible. <laughs> if we're being honest. that This is bad. What Chan was doing wasn't bad. This, though, this is bad. Now, with that being said, I want to issue another apology to Chan Gailey. And if you're listening to me, I know you're not nine and ten times, but if you are, just, just reconsider coming back. I know, I know you may not because how they treated you. And how a lot of those fans treated you, but just reconsider it. Because right now, you you can tell you, I told you so as many times as you want. Because, boy, you did tell us. Now, with that being said, Tua isn't the guy. And I know people want to blame the front office. They want to blame the O-line. They want to blame the coaching staff. They want to blame the injuries to the receivers. I know. And rightfully so, those things are issues. They are issues. I'm not gonna lie, they are. But I want I want to take a trip down memory lane, guys. And I'm gonna use an example, right? And I know a lot of people are not gonna like this example because whenever you mention Tua, you gotta mention this guy. Whenever you mention this guy, you gotta mention Tua. It's Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert last year went through the same limited training camp, pre-se- no preseason, mini camp, no mini camp, whatever the case may be. He went through the same exact trials and tribulations as Tua last year, man. 
And when Justin Herbert played, he played behind the worst, one of the worst offensive lines in the league. They had three injuries on that line. They lost two pro bowlers, all pro players. And Mike Pouncey and Ryan Belaga. Austin Eckler hurt. They back up behind him. Got hurt. They had to go sign Kalen Ballard off the streets. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry battling injuries the whole season. So your one consistent guy throughout the season was Mike Williams, who to me is a slightly better version of Devontae Parker. So he's a 50-50 guy. So that's your best option. And on the defensive side, Derrick James, your best defensive player, hurt. Next up, your next best player, Joey Bosa. Oh, yeah, he going to miss games, too. So, let's just take it all in. You suffer injuries on both sides of the ball to at least four to five really significant players on your team. And on top of that, your coaching staff was bad enough, despite the fact that they found you, they were bad enough to get fired the next season. So, you got all that going against you, the injuries, the fact that you didn't have a mini camp, no training camp. All you had was the playbook and what to study. Here, learn it to the best of your abilities. That's it. That's all we got for you. You can't practice. You can't go out and build a continuity or like, you know, chemistry with your receivers. That's all we got. You can just study the playbook. And your coaching staff, oh, by the way, they'll be bad enough to get fired. If I would have told you all that last year before the season started, Literally, everyone would have said, man, Justin Herbert's going to have one rough rookie season, man. It's going to be terrible. In fact, it was just quite the contrary. It was quite the complete opposite. Justin Herbert went out and set every single record there was for any rookie quarterback in NFL history. Whether it was passing yards, whether it was touchdowns, QBR, whatever. He went and did it. He went and got it done. No one made excuses for him. He didn't make excuses for himself, despite the fact that he was named the starter 15 minutes before the game started against the, the at the time, Super Bowl champions. No one made excuses for him. Nobody. No one handed it to him. They just told him, give up and go get it done. That was it. No one made excuses for him. He went and got it done. And in fact, last season, as a rookie, Justin Herbert led the league in QBR under pressure. So that means he was the most he was the most successful quarterback in the league. Not rookie, the most successful quarterback in the league when it came for him being under pressure. And I already told you, he had had one of the worst greater offensive lines in the league, and he was down a lot of pass catcher weapons throughout the season. And he was down maybe his best offensive player in Austin Eckler. Eckler, excuse me. And he still was successful. Now, why did I say all that? I, I didn't say all that to say that we should have took Herbert over tour. That's not what I said. I said it because I want people to understand something. A good to great quarterback, regardless of what is around him, will look just like that. Good to great. Regardless of how young he is, Regardless of how long he's been playing, he would look just like that. A perfect example of this was Justin Herbert. That's why I said him. And even if you look at bits and pieces of Trevor Lawrence this year, even if you look at the few games Joe Burrow played last year, have they played lights out? No. But one thing you can say about both of those guys, they got better each and every week they played. 
Can I say that about Tua? No. And I know people are going to look at the stats. They're going to say he's played two of his best games back-to-back in his career. And I got to disagree with that. I got to. Why I got to disagree with that? Because I'm sorry. Throwing three interceptions against two of some of the worst defenses in the league. And let me add this. The Falcons coming into the game last week, they forced one interception the entire season coming in. One. That's it. This is exactly a team that's built on creating turnovers and wreaking havoc. They were down their best defensive player as, as terms of pass rush abilities. Then Dante Fowler. The Jags were down their best defensive player, Miles Jack. And you and you and what you and what did you do? You produced two touchdown drives against the Jaguars. A team that was on a two-game two losing streak. 20-game losing streak, excuse me. And then you go out there and throw two interceptions against a Falcons team that, again, they don't cause turnovers. That's not their forte on that side of the ball. They have no forte on that side of the ball. Their defense has been terrible. It's awful. And yet, people want me to be impressed by the fact that he played well enough to lose to both teams by last-second field goals. No. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. And the reason why I say he hasn't progressed is because he's still making the same mistakes he made last season, despite the fact he's had an entire offseason, minicamp, and training camp. And again, I know the coaches aren't fantastic. I know the development of Tua has not been the best in the world. But at some point, that has to also come on him. He has to want to be better for himself. Not just the want to be better, but actually be better. I defended him all last season. Every game he came up short, every game he didn't look spectacular, which was pretty much every game outside of the Cardinals game. I said, listen, he's young, give him time. The offensive play corner isn't the best. The weapons aren't the best. Just give him time. But this season, I told people, I'm not giving them no excuses. He has to show improvement, period. I don't see the improvement. People want to look at the numbers and say he put up this amount of numbers, this, that, that. Only four other quarter, only, you know, only a few other quarterbacks have ever done these type of numbers in league history. Yes, okay, that's fine. But turn the game on, bro. I don't care about the records. I don't care about the history, man. Turn the game on. You sit there, you watch me, and you tell me he looks better than he did a season ago. He doesn't. He looks the same. He's still completing the same 10 to 15-yard routes that any other starting quarterback in the league can complete. I hate to tell you that, guys, but they can. They can. You can pull backups out the league right now. You can get guys out the street right now who could be in the NFL right now that complete the same passes Tua is making. He's not making any special passes. You look at the last two games, he's probably made maybe three passes there. You're like, man, that was one damn good throw. That's it. I dare anyone to come to me, look at the last two weeks, and point to three passes. Combine the two weeks. Combine the, those two weeks and give me three passes he made that you could say only a handful of guys in the league makes that throw. Show me the throws. You didn't draft the guy fifth overall to be a game manager and to look like everyone else. Not to say you can't win with an average Joe everyday quarterback, because you can. But it's just that you did not select him fifth overall to be Joe Flacco. You didn't select him to be that. You didn't select him to be Baker Mayfield or Ryan Tannehill. You didn't pick him to be that. 
You didn't pick him to be a guy who only would be as good as the situation allows him to. You didn't pick him to be that. You picked him to be a guy to uplift the team. And um, I've got the Locked On Dolphins host name. But, oh, my God, I forgot his name. But the, the, the host of Locked On Dolphins, he said a quote. He said it best to me. He said that there are two kinds of quarterbacks in the league. There's a truck and there's a trailer. The truck is the guy who can carry the team to wins when need be, and he also will be the main reason why they win on a consistent basis. Those are the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Tom Brady's of the world. Even if the name young quarterback says everyone wants to get a young quarterback excuse. Those are the Kyler Murray's of the world, the Lamar Jackson's of the world, the Justin Herbert's of the world, and the Joe Burrows. Those are those guys. Trailers of the world, two is a trailer. The guy who will be behind the team may not win your games, but he ain't going to win them either. That's two. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's him. It's okay. It's okay to be average. It is. Majority of the league consists of average quarterback play. But you don't draft a guy fifth overall to be average. You just don't. And what makes it worse is the fact that he's tied to both quarterbacks in Burrow and Herbert. And both of those guys are like studs. He's just looking. He all right. I'm sorry. Look, it's the same thing that happened with Ben Roethlisberger, Manning, and um, Phillip Rivers. All three of those guys just so happen to be really good at points in their careers. Tua, at this point, he ain't looking all that really good. He's looking really okay. That's it. I mean, I don't care. I don't care who feels differently about that. That's just the truth, man. And if you can't sit there and be honest with yourself that he just simply looks okay, then then you're just in denial, bro. If you want to sit there and convince yourself that he's looked spectacular, he hasn't. He hasn't even looked good. He's looked okay. That's it. And okay can't be good at times. You know, you can have a few games or you look good, but on a consistent basis, you're okay. You're Baker Mayfield. You're Ryan Tannehill. You're Alex Smith. You're okay sometimes. You're just okay most of the times. That's it. But none of those guys, as we all know, aren't Super Bowl winners. Because in today's league, you need better than okay to win it all. Can you win with okay quarterback? Yes. But, the, you know, the mass majority of teams when the Super Bowl is now have better than okay quarterbacks. Look at the 49ers when they went to the Super Bowl. They had an okay quarterback in Jimmy G. They lost. Despite the fact that their defense was otherworldly, they lost. <laughs> when you got special on one side and okay on the other side, special go away nine out of ten times. It's just this. You need dynamic quarterback play. And that's why I've been beating the drum about going to get Deshaun Watson since February, since we first got tied to him. I've been saying it, and I still feel like I need to go get him. And this is where the part of the show, I have a few gripes. And I've, you know, I reference a few shows and a few um, hosts and things of that nature. Now, I want you guys to keep in mind, I listen to a lot of podcasters, man, especially Dolphins-related podcasters. I listen to a lot of podcasters. I listen to the same old Dolphins, the Dolphins Talk. I listen to Lot No Dolphins, who I mentioned earlier. I listen to Skags on YouTube. I listen to Dougley Durong. I listen, 
I have listened to TD's Finns talk. I listened to uh, anyone who is Dolphins related. I've listened to them. Trust me. I've listened to them. And I want to say this, man. Only the only two individuals that I can think of that speak objectively on a consistent basis and they do not let their personal feelings get involved. Like they try to not let their personal feelings get involved at all. To me, is Mike from the Dolphins Talk, and also the guy, <clears throat> excuse me, the guy off of um, Locked On Dolphins. Even though I do believe he is, I think he's, I think he's at times he gives two or more leeway than he should have. Because I'm be, I'm gonna be frank about you guys. I'm gonna be frank with you. The last two games we lost, I put that on flow. I put that on tour. I'm not putting it on the defense. I'm not. I'm not. They, I put that on float and tour. The defense hasn't played all that great. I know them. But when you throw three interceptions in two weeks, it ain't good enough. I'm sorry. Especially against really two bad defenses. It's not good enough. You're possibly leaving points on the board. Off the board. Excuse me. You leave them on the field. And Flores has called terrible games. had terrible game management. Man. He has. It's just, it just is what it is. But outside of those two guys, everyone else I listen to, they're biased. Strongly, strongly, strongly biased. And that's not to say any of those guys, you know, are wrong or right. And that's not to say that I don't enjoy listening to them because I enjoy listening to all of them. It's the reason why I still listen to them. But they're biased. I'm going to start off with Tobin, the show on YouTube with him and Leroy. And I haven't an issue with the fact that they're making it seem as if Tua is old anything. He's not old anything, bro. He's not. Can we sit here and say definitively that the team has failed to him? I can say that. I can sit here and say that the front office has not done their due diligence and, the, and done all they can to put a successful team around him. I can say that. I can also say Chris Greer deserves to be fired yesterday. I can say that at this point, Brian Flores needs to be fired as well. I can say all of that. But I, what I will not do is sit here and make excuses for a millionaire. No one, I'm not going to feel bad for him because the Dolphins are looking into trading for a way better quarterback. No, I'm not going to feel bad for him. Why would I feel bad for him? He made his own bed. If you go out and perform, these conversations go away. Period. That's it. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's the one thing they cannot take away from you. Your performance. They can argue up and down how they feel as if this guy's better than you. But if you have the, the wins, the stats, and the performances to show why this guy is not better than you, then they have no other argument. Now, what from that point, what they just say is like this, they're doing is just stupid. But up until this point, I'm sorry, Tua, you ain't been good. You just haven't. And I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for a guy who has not played up to the drafts the draft spot he was taking. He hasn't. He just hasn't. And I'm and those guys, Tobin and Leroy, a majority of the show, 90% of the time, is it's not even real news, guys. I mean, that's again, that's not to say I don't enjoy that show because I still tune in. But they they make more jokes than they actually do tell news. And again, that's not bashing them in any way. That's how they want to run their show by all means. I enjoy it. I'm I'm always here for a good laugh. You know, you, you shouldn't be all serious, serious in life. 
Because what the hell are you living for? You got to enjoy your life, man. Don't stretch yourself out. But I just think they're, I think they're making light of the situation as best they can, which is nothing wrong with it. I just think they had to be honest with themselves. Tool has also contributed to his own departure when it does happen, just as much as anyone else. He, he just has. And this, this, these two next individuals I'm going to reference is who I have really big gripes with. And again, this isn't me attacking them. This is me just disagreeing with their perspectives and their opinions. I want to start with Big O. And I listen to Big O every week. I love Big O. I love his transparency. I love that he's honest. You know, in fact, I've been a frequent commenter of his live vids. You know, I'm someone who genuinely enjoys listening to him. I love his opinion. But this is my issue with Big O. First and foremost, Big O, Big O didn't want to draft two at first, guys. I don't know if you all listen, go back and listen to him that far back. But trust me when I say that. And if you don't trust me, oh, well, it is what it is. But Big O is someone who did not want to draft two at first. He, he didn't. He's a guy that was a lot like other people. The injuries scare him. It's not the talent. It's the injuries. He don't want to take a chance on a guy who's that small, who's been injured that much, had this many surgeries, and behind put him in a Miami team who doesn't really have a goal line right now. He, he, he didn't want to do it, which is understandable. And me being a tool fan that I am, I still want to drive tool because I thought, like, this guy could be special. Even though I always told myself, I think Justin Herbert has has a chance to be the best quarterback in his draft, which, by the way, he looked like he is. I still wouldn't. I still would have been up in arms if they drafted Tua, because I like Tua. But then Big O quickly switched his entire narrative in just a matter of now a year, and he literally said on Dougie Duran's show the other day. He's never, as long as he's been a Dolphins fan, which he said he has been for decades, he's never had a second team. But he said the moment they trade to a, whatever team he plays for, that would be his second favorite team. And to me, I have an issue with that because of this. You you weren't even favored drafting him, bro. But because he looks average and because he feels as if the team is, quote, unquote, not you believe they, quote-unquote, giving up on him? I don't believe they gave up on him. I don't. And I want people to realize this. If Deshaun Watson is up for trade right now, the Dolphins don't even look at any other quarterback. They're not looking to go look into getting Aaron Rodgers. They're not looking to go look into training for who, Russell Wilson or anyone. They're, they're, they won't. The only reason that they're even considering and maybe strongly going to consider moving off of tour is because of Deshaun Watson. And people need to understand that because you, a 26-year-old top five prime quarterback isn't just going to fall in your lap any other ever again. It's never going to happen again. You have to jump on it when you can. And that's what they're trying to do. Now, the reason why I said Big O, I strongly have a an issue with what he said is because that just shows that just tells me you're more of a Tua fan than you are a Dolphin fan. I don't I don't care how long you've been a Dolphin fan. That doesn't matter. What matters is is what you're saying at that moment. And what you're saying at that moment 
you're supporting a player over your team. The fa- I, I know he's saying it's going to be his second team, but the fact that you went this long without having a second team and you're going to get one that moment Tua goes to another team, that tells me you're a Tua fan. You're not, you're not a Dolphins fan, bro. Because that tells me the, if the Dolphins still suck and Tua goes to the team and they excel, you're going to be rooting for that team. That's not a Dolphins fan. That's Tua fans. That's the Tua near. That's, that's what people call them. It's a lot like Tebow mania. People love Tim Tebow despite the fact that he threw one of the worst footballs I've ever seen in my life. They loved him. They couldn't get enough of the guy. They loved him so much that they, when he had a, his few chances back in the league, even just recently as a tight end, people was cheering for him and going to get jerseys. The guy just wasn't that good at football. Just wasn't. And the sad part is, Tebow won a playoff game. And Elway still couldn't wait to get rid of him. Tua hasn't done anything. He hasn't done nothing. At least Tebow won a playoff game. What has Tua done? Why does Tua have so much benefit of the doubt from people? I don't understand. And, I, and again, I love Tua, man. It, it pains me to say these things because I genuinely am a fan of Tua. Like, I... I wish I could show you how the jersey, man. I, I literally, the first time I ever bought a jersey in my life was a Tua jersey. He was literally the first player I ever bought a jersey of. I've been a Dolphin fan since, as long as I remember. When I first started watching football, seriously, when I was like around 10, 11 years old, I always been a Dolphin fan. Never bought a jersey. Never asked for a jersey. The moment we drive Tua, I went and bought one. I love Tua. I rooted for him. The story, the injuries, the adversity. I wanted him to succeed. He's just not. It is what it is, guys. He's just not. And, yeah, man, that's my thoughts about Big O. But the next guy, I strongly feel as if this guy is just going with the flow. I think he's just being a sheep, honestly, and following what is the trend right now, what's acceptable, what he thinks is. Is the dude Dante off of Dolphins talk. And... No disrespect to him, because at the end of the day, you're entitled to believe whatever you want to believe. You know, I'm not, I'm no one to tell you what is right or wrong. At the end of the day, you believe whatever you want to believe. But I do have every right to voice my opinion just as much as he does. And my opinion is, I believe Dante is completely wrong about the whole Deshaun Watson situation. And I think... It, it disgusts me, honestly, that guys like him and a guy like Chris off of three yards per carry can even insinuate and act as if the Dolphins owe anyone an apology or they're doing people a disservice they trade for Deshaun Watson. And let me say this, man. I get that he has he's, on, he's in a lot of hot water right now because of everything that's going on outside of football. But I, I need people to understand one thing, man. The guy's not facing any charges, bro. He's not. I know it's a misconception right now. Everyone talking about he could end up in jail. He could possibly be a sex offender. Listen, bro. The guy's not facing. For any of that stuff to happen, guys, he needs to at first be charged. At the very least, he needs to be charged something. He's not charged anything. He's not facing no charges, guys. Like, I don't know why people are so hell-bent on creating this guy to be a monster when, one, he's not facing charges, two, there's no evidence to prove anything happened out of the ordinary from his usual massages 
And three is the fact that the league even said it's not even enough for us to even come in and step in and chime in and even suspend this guy. So that should tell you something alone. The league, the NFL that has literally cracked down and suspended everyone for every little thing that has ever occurred when it comes to domestic violence, sexual assault, um, mistreatment of any individual, anything of that nature. The league has always stepped in and just boom, a commission exemplary if you suspend it, no pay. They literally, Dale literally said this yesterday. He stepped back and said, you know what, we're going to let y'all handle this. When y'all get it panned out, you know, everything, just the dust settle, everything like that, then we'll, you know, see what we do. The fact that Roger Goodell in the NFL stepped back and said, y'all can handle it, says a lot to me. Because it shows there's literally nothing there. There's no substance. There's no ounce of proof of anything. There's nothing tying this guy to wrongly doing anything. And the fact that this has been going for months, right? And he still refuses to pay a settlement because then he will say, well, then that would look like an amendment of guilty of guiltiness. That would make me look like I'm admitting to doing the crime and I'm just, you know, silencing them, paying them hush money, basically. To me, that also shows that he's he truly believes he did nothing wrong. And nothing wrong happened. So we got we got that. You look at it from that perspective and you look at it from the perspective that not one of these women is 22 of them, I believe. 22 or 24. Not one of them are pressing charges. Not one. There's civil lawsuits and complaints. That's it. There's nothing criminal being faced towards him right now. And the dude, Dante, is saying that he hoped the Dolphins don't trade for him. He wanted to be traded to Carolina. Good. They could have him. Bro, like, what, what is your point, bro? Like, what's the point? Like, what do, you, what do you have on this guy that we all don't know? Because the way you strongly feel about it, you clearly have some kind of evidence or proof or some kind of, you know, insider to tell you that this guy is this monster you thinking him to be. And same thing for the guy Chris. Like, the guy Chris literally said that the Dolphins, the fact that the Dolphins even think about making this trade, they owe every public, they owe every female working in a facility an apology. For what? <laughs> for what? A trade that ain't even happened yet? The fact that they're considering going to get a better quarterback? Really, guy? Is, is that what we're doing? I thought we lived in a country where it was guilty. You was innocent until proven guilty. I thought that's what it was. I didn't know we could just throw away guys' lives and careers because of accusations. If that's the case, Kobe should have went to jail, right? I bet you those two guys, I bet you Chris and Dante would have sent Kobe to jail the moment the, the whole rape allegations came out. Even despite the fact that he was found guilty. I guarantee you those two guys at that point in time, because of course it's easy to say now that they wouldn't, they wouldn't have done it because we all know how, what it resulted to. It resulted in him being found innocent. But at that moment, at that particular time, the moment that news would have broke, I guarantee you Chris was, Chris and Dante would have been the guys in the background. Oh yeah, he needs to be in jail. I guarantee you they're the ones who felt as if Vic should have never had another shot in the NFL. Guarantee it. I guarantee it. Despite the fact that Vic was actually convicted and found guilty of something, I guarantee it. Despite the fact that he gave his time to society, I guarantee it. And that's not to say Vic was right or wrong. I feel like Vic was dead wrong. Animal cruelty is a no. It's a no-go. But Vic paid his due diligence. He paid his time. He did what he could. He gave back to his community. He gave back to the animal cruelty. He did what he could. He, 
He made amends with his wrongdoing. And that's all you can ask out of a guy. And I'm not saying Deshaun Watson is guilty or innocent. Because at the end of the day, I don't know. So I'm in between, like I was early when I said everything I said about Tua. I'm not going to sit and say the guy's innocent, but I'm not going to sit here and demonize him either. Because I don't know. And by the looks of everything that's panning out, no one knows. And if no one knows, how the hell can you accuse someone or make them guilty of anything? To me, that just doesn't make sense. And that is, that's where the issue relies with me with these guys, resides with me with these guys, excuse me. That they're, they're just demonizing this guy and scrutinizing the franchise for something they don't even know. Like, no one knows the truth, bro. No one. You guys don't know. The the um, the legal system don't know. The women, they clearly don't even know what they want to do because they don't even want to press charges against the guy. Like, how can someone assault you sexually and you don't want to press charges? I mean, at, at what point do we sit back, look at this whole situation like, man, what, what the hell is going on? I just think it's downright ignorant, honestly, to attack this guy's character, attack him as a person, when nothing has been shown to even prove that he's done anything that he's been accused of. So I just, I just think that's just wrong in itself, man. I really do. And honestly, man, a lot of Dolphins fans, we got to stop making excuses for Tua. If we go get Deshaun Watson, I say go get him. I've been on the Watson train for months now. And honestly, if we get Deshaun Watson, I feel as if you sign you, sign you a workhorse running back, get maybe get you one or two new guards, you know, solidify one side of the line at least. And you keep, I think you can keep the defense you have now. Because I think there's still a lot of talent on that side of the ball. I just think you need to add to the linebacker core and get a proven pass rusher. I think you'll be good. I still think Brian Flores and Chris Greer need to be fired, but I think you'll be good. I think you'd be good if you do those things if you go get Deshaun Watson. To me, you could be anyone on any given Sunday. If you do those three things, fire the 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 um the head of snakes, you go get you the play the playmaker at linebacker and a pass rusher. And you get Watson, to me, you compete with any team on any given Sunday. To me. That's to me. Now, with all that being said, I'm going to get off into my NFL prediction, guys. I know that was a bit of a rant. And again, I listen to every podcaster, y'all. I listen to every podcast. I promise y'all I do. So, if you did hear me mention them, don't worry. I don't have a gripe with those guys. I don't have any difference in opinion with them. I don't always agree with those guys for the most part, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. I listen to them because of their opinions. So let me go ahead and let me go ahead and get off into the NFL predictions. All right, guys. So let's get into the <clears throat> this week's predictions. My apologies, I took a, took a little break, I had to take a phone call. But Thursday Night Football tonight, I'm I'm going to be posting this tomorrow, so I won't post it tonight. So you guys, we'll see if I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. But I'm going with the Green Bay Packers on the upset. 
I think the Packers beat the Cardinals despite the fact that they do not have Devontae Adams this week. And I also think they're missing uh, Alan Lazard as well. So expect to see a lot of Randall Carr, a lot of Robert Tanyan. I think those guys are going to be big this week. And I think the injury to J.J. Watt is a significant injury for the Cardinals. And to me, honestly, I think it's going to be something that I think is honestly going to take a lot away from his team, man. I think he was an inside presence, a guy that could move around the entire line, was versatile. To me, it's going to weaken them severely up front. So I like the Cardinals in this one. I think it'll be a high-scoring game for sure. I think both teams put up at least 28 points, but I, I do like the Cardinals in this one. Next game, we got we got the Dolphins and the Bills. <laughs> I'm taking the Bills, man. And they're honestly going to beat the Dolphins by two touchdowns minimum. I'm taking the Bills. That ain't, I don't even have to explain that one. I mean, they're, they're coming off a loss. They're coming off a bye. They had two weeks to prepare for this game. There's no way in hell they lose to the Dolphins, especially not the way the Dolphins' season is reeling right now. Then we got the Panthers at the Falcons. I'll take the Panthers in this one. I think this game is going to be a, a bounce-back game for Sam Darnold. I don't believe Sam Darnold is the QB for the future for the Panthers, but I do believe he is more than capable of beating this Falcons team right now. So I'm taking the Panthers in this one. Steelers versus Browns. I'm going to take the Browns in this one. I think the Browns need a win right now. Because the Browns have way too much talent, man, to be struggling as bad as they are. I think they have guys who will be coming back this week. I think you can expect Nick Chubb back. I think you can expect Baker Mayfield back. I could be wrong about that. But they have a lot of guys that's questionable. But I think a lot of guys will play through injuries. So I expect them to win that game. Now, if Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb don't play, I think they lose. Let me just add that in there. Next, we got the Bengals versus the Jets. I think the Bengals are legit, man. And it pains me to say that because, man, I wanted Jamar Chase so bad. <laughs> I wanted Jamar Chase so bad, man. I know you can't. I know it's not good to look back on what ifs and what could have been, but man, when I tell y'all I was all in on him because I just knew he was going to be a stud. Man, it pains me to see. But with that being said, the next guy's own game, excuse me, getting into Titans and the Colts. Now, this to me, this is going to be a better game than a lot of people don't think it will be. They can just write the Titans in as winners. Now, I'm going to pay the Titans to win, but I would not be shocked at all if the Colts won this game. And I say that because the Colts are really starting to pick it up now. Carson Wentz is playing better than he has been, especially the past couple of weeks. What they just did to the Niners the other week, um, I believe it was Monday Night Football, they look really, really good. Well, no, it wasn't Monday Night, excuse me, it was Sunday night. They look really good. And I just think the Colts, they got something to prove, man. They want to show that they can compete with the big boys, and this is the week to prove it. You got the Tennessee on the road, got them at your house, show what you can do. I still take the Titans to win, but I would not be surprised if the Colts won this game. Next team we got, we got the Eagles versus the Lions. 
And honestly, I'm going to take a different route. I'm going to take a different route on this one. I think the Lions win this game. I think the Lions play extremely hard, man. I think they, they've they had a lot of unfortunate bounces. You know, like the record-setting kick just, just the Tucker took, you know, that's just one example. I think they gave the Rams all they could handle last week. They played a really good game. They just don't have the talent like the Rams or like the Ravens to ultimately come out on top of those games. But I think this team can beat the Eagles for sure. I definitely do believe that. They're at home. The Eagles aren't exactly playing like world beaters right now. The Eagles are struggling. I think they can beat the Eagles. Now, the next team we got here, we got the Niners against the Bears. Now, I think this is a get-right game for the Niners. I think they win this game. But with that being said, I would not be surprised if the Bears win this game because I just simply don't believe in what the Niners have going on right now. Even with all the talent they have, I, I, don't, I don't believe in what they have. I just don't. But I will, I will take them to beat the Bears because I think Matt Nagy is just that bad of a coach. I think he's absolutely horrible. Then we got the Rams at Houston. I'm taking the Rams easily. Don't even got to explain that one. I'm taking the Rams. Next, we got the Jaguars at Seahawks. Now, this can be an interesting one because the Seahawks do not have Russell Wilson. And Geno Smith has not exactly looked like a world beater at quarterback. I'm going to edge out to the Seahawks only because they have more talent. And I think that even despite the fact that Trevor Lawrence is starting to put it together a little bit, I still believe that Geno Smith has more than enough experience to do well against a bad team. So I'm going to give him that edge. And I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett go out and have their best performances of the season. Game after that, we got the Patriots and the Chargers. This here is also a good game, but I'm going to edge this out to the Patriots, man. I, it's, gonna, it's, it's hard to pick against the Chargers, man. But the defensive game plan that Bill Belichick grew up, drew up last year against Justin Herbert was, it was just otherworldly. And I think he's going to do it again. I think he's going to drop a game plan that's going to confuse the heck out of Justin Herbert. He's going to make him look like a rookie again. And I think the Patriots win this game by at least a field goal. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Chargers win, but I'm taking the Patriots. The Bucks at the Saints, I'm taking the Bucks. Washington football team against Denver. I'm going to take Denver in this one, even though they have been struggling of late. I just don't think Washington is that good of a team. I mean, it's surprising how bad their defense has been and I don't see why. I mean, they've added to it. They've added veterans to it. At that, It's not like they're just adding young talent who are inexperienced. They've added veterans. Guys like William Jackson and Bobby McCain. These are veteran players who, with their own respected team, are pretty good. Take a Denver in that one. Next game, Cowboys-Vikings. This should be a good game. But I'm taking the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys... The offensively are just too explosive. I don't think the Vikings offense can keep up when it comes to points and putting points on the board. Taking the Cowboys in this one. Then we got the Giants at the Chiefs. I think this is a get right game for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win this game. They need it right now, man. They 
they need a convincing win right now just to get that mojo flowing again, man. Because they look like they're just like just falling apart right now. But that's it for the predictions, guys. So now let's get into the fan Q and A. And as you all know, the fan Q and A I post on Facebook. You know things like that. I'm gonna start posting them on YouTube so everyone can get involved as much as possible. So let me go ahead and get into the fan Q&A. I'm going to start on Facebook first. So this first question comes from a good friend of mine named Carl Williams. He says, who was your biggest snub for the NBA 75 list? Now, this is a fantastic question because this is something I also discussed on TikTok. To me, the biggest snub, and to me, is not close. No, I'm not going to say Kyrie Irving. I'm not going to say Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter. I'm not saying any of those guys. The biggest snub by far was Dwight Howard. I understand Dwight Howard isn't exactly a likable public figure for a lot of guys in the media. Shaq has been ridiculing him for years. But Dwight Howard was by far the biggest snub. Dwight Howard is more accomplished than half of that list. And a prime example that I can give you is Damian Lillard. There is nothing Damian Lillard has done in his career that even stands close to the most significant accomplishments in Dwight Howard's career. It just doesn't. Dwight Howard in his prime was a top five player in the league. When has Damian Lillard ever been a top five player? When has guys like, let's, let's think about it. Damian Lillard, Reggie Miller, who was who who I can make an argument for that was on the list? Uh, you can even make an argument against guys like Ka Kawhi Leonard, maybe even guys like, you know, Kevin Durant. I mean, it's not to say they don't deserve to be on the list, but he is just as accomplished as those guys. I mean, yes, he's not the finals MVP that they are, but you stack that resume, blind resume for blind resume, peaks for peaks. I mean, it's not that far off. That's all I'm saying. Kevin Durant is not 75 players all time better than Dwight Howard. That's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's not that big of a gap in terms of accomplishments and career accomplishments of those two guys. It's not. I know a lot of people don't want to admit that. And it may be an unpopular opinion to say that. But that's the truth. So my biggest snub is definitely Dwight Howard, man. In fact, Dwight Howard is a, a top 75 player all time. The fact that he's not on the list just shows that, you know, a lot of these large corporations like ESPN and stuff, they're jokes. Like, they're jokes. They do stuff because of personal opinion, not because of what's facts. This next question I had comes from Noah Rogner, another good friend of mine. Do the Colts have a legit shot at the AFC South with Wentz being comfortable in the offense? Now, this here is a good question as well. They have a shot, but it's not a big one. Because I believe as long as Derrick Henry's gearing up for the Titans, it's going to be hard to surpass them, man. I mean, when you have a guy like that who's that big of a difference maker, can help him control the time of possession, open up the rest of that offense with really good receivers like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to beat them, man, because you're already two games behind. It's going to be hard to beat them. It, 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 they definitely do have a shot, though. I think the Colts are better than what they give it credit for. This next question comes from Sue Young. She asked, is Sam Darnold better than Tua? 
I think they're the same quarterback right now. I know I know she doesn't want to hear that. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. But to me, they're the same quarterback. They're both guys who will only be their play would di- would be dictated by how good the team is around them. They're not guys who exactly uplift guys to be better. They don't elevate teams. Even though they can't put up better numbers statistically against worse teams or look better than their backups, doesn't make you a really good quarterback. This means that you play well against bad teams. Everyone is going to play well against bad teams. That's literally how it works in the NFL. But neither one of those guys elevate teams. Neither one of those guys have shown to be consistently good. And to be frank with you, the reason why they're dead is because I think they split. Because I think Darnold is a better athlete than Tua. Stronger arm, more athletic, bigger. I think he's a better athlete. But Tua has a higher IQ and understanding of the game. He throws with more accuracy, precision. But his arm strength does fail him a lot. It does. He struggles to throw outside the numbers. And he struggles to drive balls in the middle of the field. He, he doesn't struggle at all throwing with touch. Not at all. But when he needs to put more oomph or mustard on the pass, he can't do it. Just not in him. My next question comes from Nan Martinez. What makes a player great versus being a product of their system? Now, this, this guys, is a fantastic question. This is a fantastic question. Now, let me explain what makes a player great versus being a product of their system. And I mentioned, I alluded to this a bit earlier. <laughs> what makes a player great is when they can look good to great on a consistent basis despite what's around them. A perfect example of this is Patrick Mahomes' last year's Super Bowl. Despite the fact that he played behind an injured offensive line, the guys wasn't catching the ball. No one helped him out anyway. They wasn't making plays, anything like that. You could turn on that game and you could still say, man, despite the fact that they lost bad, despite the fact that no one came through for them, despite the fact that Brady and them just downright curb stunting them, Patrick Holmes played one hell of a game. He looked great. That's what separates a player from being great than from being a product of their system. Now, example of a product of your system is a guy like, <clears throat> excuse me, was a guy like Jared Goff with the Rams. Played on a really good team, ended up looking better than who it actually was. And another example of this is Ryan Tannehill. I know a lot of guys on the scene here say Tannehill has been better since joining the Titans. But listen to me, guys. Without Derrick Henry, the Titans are a 500 team. Let's, let's just call it what it is. They just are. Because what all teams would do and without Derrick Henry, they'll play over the top on guys like Julio and A.J. Brown. They won't allow them to beat them deep. And they'll give up more underneath passes than anything. And Tannehill isn't a quarterback that can throw the ball 35 to 40 times a game and win games. He's showing you that in Miami. In fact, his most successful season in Miami was when he had another pro bowl running back in Jay Ajayi, a guy who was performing otherworldly that season. So again... Another, another example of a guy being great or good because of his situation. But that's how you can tell if a quarterback or a player is great or a product of their system. 
when they can look good or great, regardless of what's around them and in front of them, they're going to show you that's still great. Like Jalen Ramsey with the Jaguars. Regardless of what was happening around the Jaguars, he still would look superior to when it came to whoever lined up across from him. Just like Saquon Barkley, even despite the injuries. When he's on the field, he's a difference maker. He just is. Hold on, ask you a question, man. The next question comes from Van Velsine. Are the Bulls legit? And I just talked about this earlier. I think the Bulls are legit. I think the Bulls have a very good chance of beating any team in the East right now. You know, I think a team that will get them a run for their money right now are the Heat. Because the Heat does match up well defensively against literally every team in the league. But I think the Heat will give a run for their money to any team in the league. But the Bulls, yes. I think the Bulls are very much stretched to win the East. I know it's early, but if you if I had to give you three teams right now who I think can win the East, the Bulls are definitely one of the three. I, I definitely do believe that. No, I got to go to Instagram for these next questions, guys, so y'all bear with me. I think I have one more question I came from Instagram. Yes, this next question was on Instagram. It came from Byron Johnson. Is it time to say Patrick Mahomes is a fluke? Mm. Man, I got to say no, man. I got to respectfully, strongly disagree with this. Because regardless, this, the six games they played this season, the six, five games, or whatever it is, they played this season doesn't change the fact that he's an MVP and a Super Bowl champion. I mean, there are only a handful of quarterbacks in the league history that can say that. That they've won an MVP and their Super Bowl champion and an MVP of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. There's only a handful of guys in the league history that can say that. So I can't say he's a fluke just based off that. And also, if you just if you watch him, he still looks amazing. I mean, he he has he has made worse decisions this season, but he's always made pretty risky decisions. He's always been a risk taker. That's him. And we are risk takers a lot like how Brett Favre was. You're going to get burnt sometimes. It's just happened to be this season. He's getting burnt a lot more. And that could be because some teams have figured out what they're doing offensively. And it could be that, you know, the ball ain't bouncing their way. But let's not get it twisted either. Some of those interceptions are coming off of drops. Tyreek Hill has to be better. He just has to be. He's dropping the ball at a highly alarming rate right now. And... It just ain't good enough. And so, no, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is a fluke. I think Patrick Mahomes is real deal legit. I don't think he's the clear-cut best quarterback in the league as he once was the past two seasons as it stands right now. But he's definitely still top three, top five. Well, guys, that's it for the Q&A. That's all I got for you guys today. Thank you all for tuning in once again to the show. Y'all please be sure to subscribe, like, comment. Remember, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube. You can find my podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you see podcasts posted. Nine out of ten times, you'll see me there. Thank y'all, and y'all have a great day.